Hey guys, we're back. I took a little break just to do some things here. But in the coming weeks, I'm going to have conversations with other people of color of what, what it is to be a person of color in L.A. We're going to talk about the national conversation of injustice, BLM, immigration, COVID, and outright racism. Now, trigger warning. There's going to be things said here that some of you may feel uncomfortable about. There's going to be strong language. But guess what? These are the conversations we need to have. And we'll all understand each other a little bit better. This is Being Brown in LA. Hey guys, we're back again. This is Being Brown in LA. And this week we're going to do something completely different. We're going to talk about Black Lives Matter. We're going to talk about weaponized fear and the state of America and how people are acting these days and the protests and so forth. Um, I've been thinking about this for a couple of weeks. I've been taking stock. I've been doing the research, doing the work, reading, watching movies, listening to things. And I feel that it's only uh, relevant that we do this now and we talk about how brown and black can unite. So today's guest is a good friend named Nanya. How are you? Good, good, good. Tell us you. what you do and who you are. Okay. Um, I guess I'll start with who I am. Uh, so I'm a black woman, obviously, uh, living in L.A. Um, I just moved to L.A. actually in February, so I've only been here for about five months now. Um, before that, so I was living in Toronto, and um, yeah, I decided to just kind of move to L.A., wanted a fresh start, better opportunities. Um, yeah, so I moved to LA. Um, I work in advertising, so that's kind of what I do Monday to Friday, nine to five. And um, yeah, recently moved to Highland Park. And you are originally from? I was born in Zimbabwe. Zimbabwe. Yeah, nice. yeah. yeah. But you have traveled a lot and lived in different places. Am I, I have. Correct? Yeah. So um, I was born in Zimbabwe, and then I lived there until I was ten. Eng English is actually not my first language, which is funny because people always assume that like. Yes. It is. Um, so I lived until I was 10, and then from the ages of 10 to about 16, I lived in New Jersey. So um, my dad and my stepmom moved to the U.S., so I came along with them. Um, my mom at the time was living in the U.K., in England. So my dad and my stepmom, um, after my sophomore year of high school, decided that they wanted to move back to Zimbabwe. And I was like, I don't want to do that. So I went to go live with my mom in England for a year. And then while I was there, my mom was like, she decided to move to Canada, basically. So I moved to Canada um, in my last year of high school. So um, I was there for about 16 years, I think. Um, and then I actually moved back to London um, for two years, like in my late 20s, just because I needed to change. And I don't know, Toronto's never really felt like my home, to be honest. So um, moved there for two years, loved London, um, but my visa ran out, so I had to come back to Toronto. So I came back to Toronto December of 2018, and I was there for about a year. And while I was there, um, it's funny because I came back and I was like, oh yeah, I remembered exactly why I left. I was like, yeah, this is, I don't want to be here. So I was and, like- And why is that? Toronto's just like a really small city. Um, and I think my experience was that if you didn't grow up there, like it can be very clicky. So if you're part of like the scene, like it's all like, if you weren't someone that like grew up there and like has known everyone since high school, like it's kind of like, you're always kind of a bit like on the periphery. 
even though you like you see people like the same people at the same events and so it's all a small stuff. town city small town city yeah, yeah yeah and even like in terms of like dating it's like very like incestuous like i had one one of my good friends tamara um we it's funny we actually started having to like cross-reference who we were talking to on dating apps because a lot of times you'd find out that we were talking to the exact same guys oh wow yeah so um yeah it just wasn't for me i just wanted a bigger city like the people are lovely there don't get me wrong it's very multicultural there are a lot of good things about toronto but it just never felt like my your city, city. Yeah. yeah i just always felt like i was like kind of like an outsider there so as a person of the world what mm-hmm. what uh what do you see when you see america when you were in Toronto and you were like, I'm going to make that move to, yeah. to so LA. It's weird because like I wanted to come here because I know in terms of like jobs, like especially in my industry, like the jobs here pay way better. Yes. So I knew there are a lot of good opportunities in terms of career. And also, um, you know, Toronto's like, has a very, or Canada overall has a very small population and an even smaller black population. So I wanted to be somewhere that was like, just would have more black people. I wanted to, I think also just like in terms of dating, I'd always mostly dated like non-black people, but only because like, the, the options of black people are like so yeah. limited yeah. <laughs> so you know i just wanted to have somewhere be somewhere that was like a bigger city a laid-back vibe and just like more black people exactly um and so to me f- before i came here alley just seemed like a really like chill place great weather great vibes um just like a bit more like laid back because i was kind of deciding between toronto and uh, sorry between la and new york mm. and so obviously i'd been to new york a lot growing up and it just seemed like a very like go 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 kind of place and i was like i'm not like a type a person i'm just like yeah i, don't know. I, think I would, wouldn't consider new york like new york that. would like chew me up and spit me out so yeah I was like, that's not for me yeah. um and also like i hate being cold like even after living in canada for like 16 years i've never gotten used to the cold oh, like, okay i just don't like being cold yeah we're, we're tropical people we don't yeah we don't hang with that yeah exactly. i mean but i i do love cold weather over sweaty la weather I'd rather be hot than cold because I feel like when you're hot, you can always just like take off layers. But like, there's this like bone chilling cold where it's like no matter how many layers you're wearing, yeah. you still feel it. That I experienced that at, in New York when I went and I was in Battery Park, mm-hmm. and I remember being so cold that I bought another scarf to yeah. put on top of the scarf. It's like the cold and then the wind chill as well. Yeah, which, like, makes it seem. But you feel cold. it inside of you. You're like, it's like in your bones. Yeah. yeah, and then I remember looking across the street. We had a photo shoot. And we were doing something, and I remember looking across the street, and there was a guy. And my boss was like, "Look at that dude in shorts and a t-shirt." Yeah. And it was like below was zero. <laughs> yeah, and he was this chubby white guy, and he was just going to McDonald's, and he was just looking at us like, "Oh, look what what's going on over there? Look at that photo shoot!" And and he was just like standing there and staring at us, and I was like, in "No man, box. go inside." We're like, all right, what's wrong with you? Yeah. Yes. And he was like, "Look at that guy. See, he's not." complaining and i was like well yeah he's got like 20 layers of fat to help him but like even then i was like that's just ridiculous yeah. like how do you just like i'm gonna go outside and i never can in that. shorts in uh, below zero weather and be like hey i'm gonna go to mcdonald's and be right back it just doesn't make any sense it's yeah so matter. but i mean la is as chill as la is i always feel like la is it's sometimes not what we think it is a hundred percent i totally feel that because I don't know, to me, LA just seemed like, you know, the land of like opportunity and like so many great things. But I think two of the downfalls I already knew of LA, like before I came here was one that you had to have a car. Like in Toronto, it's a very much, uh, everyone like uses public transit. Like I've never had to own a car or needed a car. It's just super easy to get around. Public transit is great. Um, so like having a car and like having to like invest in that was kind of like one of the biggest 
things that weighed on my decision of whether to come here or go to New York as well. And then also the fact that like you guys don't have universal healthcare here. Yeah. Like to me, that is just like so wild that like, you know, you guys claim that this is, well, I'm not saying you guys, but a lot of Americans say this is the best country in the world. Like, you know, but like you don't have free healthcare. Like in Canada, I can literally walk into any walking clinic, any, you know, I and get seen right away. I needed to get lab work done or get referral to a hospital, like for free. Um, I've gone to the emergency room a couple of times every time I was seen and didn't have to pay a dollar. Yeah. So it's, it's very weird to me that you have to like pay. I mean, we healthcare. tried. I think Obamacare was, was getting there, but Obamacare was also mm. a little messy um, on how it was implemented. Mm-hmm. And I think Bernie, you know, God bless his soul, oh, it was Bernie. trying to get us there. Yeah. And people are too afraid of like, oh, healthcare for everybody. No way. How are we going to make money off of medicine and all this other shit? And that's crazy because like, why is that a bad thing? It shouldn't even be a question of. Like, I feel like it's just you like, know what I mean? it's all like basic, this money. To me, it's like a basic human. It is. It is. I mean, I I think you should be able to not die of diseases in a country that's well progressed like ours. And also not end up being homeless because you're in exactly. medical debt. Like, yeah, that's wild. To There's me. a medical guy. Debt. There was an article in the New York Times today of a gentleman who beat Corona. Mm-hmm. And he got it very early on. And today he got a bill for $1.1 million. You're not serious. No, I'm serious. And it's Did they, like, like, give him, like, a new body? Like, new lungs? Like, a, <laughs> No uh, idea. I mean, this guy, like, what? I'm just thinking, like, you better have gotten all kinds of procedures done. Wow. And have new lungs and new, you know. That's so wild. Yeah, it's just, like, to me, it's, like, what, what world do we live in where, like, a pandemic that's killing all these people mm-hmm. and you're going to let someone now die in debt yeah that's why you know a million dollars that's it's just ridiculous and i feel like this is this is one of the reasons why these politicians are are it's it's all these older people that are just trying to hold on to things i mean like Mm -hmm. the there's 70 year old 80 year old you know you know like the youngest some young 65 year old you know senators who are out of touch Mm -hmm. are making money and are holding on to these positions They're because they the just don't want all these healthcare yeah. companies that's and what it is medicine big medicine is like hey guys here here's the money just keep us in business and let us exploit and make more money out of people and you know that's the awesome. drugs are not helping you know nobody's getting you know healthier i mean mm-hmm. people are looking into holistic ways nowadays and yeah. they're looking into eating better nowadays mm-hmm. and veganism is becoming very strong and yeah. it's like you know you look at that and you say well you know medicine has failed the medical industry or the healthcare services in this country has really failed people, to be honest. Like, it's so shocking. There's no way you can claim to be the best country in the world, but you don't take care of your people. And, and or it's at a cost. Let's talk about also, like, how this pandemic has not only systematically hurt black people. Oh, 100%. In two ways. One, healthcare that they have no access to because mm-hmm. in some areas they're poor community. Mm-hmm. Two is, like, a lot of the people that got infected and died have been black. Yeah, because a lot of, you know, black people, a lot of the essential workers are people of color or black people because all these people that are keeping places clean, that are making people's food, like, you know, doing jobs that were once considered, like, you know, menial jobs that, like, you know, white people didn't want to do that were mostly done by, like, lower income people with, like, a lower socioeconomic status or, you know, immigrants. These are now considered essential. So it's like these people are putting their lives on the line for, like, minimum fucking wage. The no health benefits, nothing, you know. Like, yeah. But they're put, but they're expected to show up every day. Yeah, they were the the janitor from one of the hospitals in New York uh, passed away, mm-hmm. probably like a month and a half ago from co- from COVID, and he was there every day, every single cleaning day. after life. everything, 
making sure that his children had food to eat, but also just like really trying to help out because, you know, he wasn't just a janitor. He was the guy that was cleaning up the mess after every, all the patients were moved around and mm-hmm. literally exposed to it and didn't survive it. Yeah. And it's like, you know, a lot of people want to say, well, that's, you know, the disease is not racist, but the system that sort of created this way where like a lot of these people can't get health care, mm-hmm. you know, in a lot of cities, the majority of city workers are black. Yeah. And so that's one thing that, that people have to look at where like they're in the front lines mm-hmm. and no one gives a shit. Putting their lives on the yeah. line. Yeah. Where really. other people are like, I'm not comfortable coming into work. And they're like, okay, you can work from With home. With your salary. Yes. Like job that gives you the option to work from yeah. home or you have benefits. And, and so we take that for granted because I mm-hmm. think we don't see them. So if we don't see them, they're not our problem. Yeah. You know, bus drivers are still driving buses. Yeah. People are getting into the buses and it's like, that's an incubator now mm-hmm. on wheels. That's so dangerous. Like, yeah. I just, I I don't even know what I would do if I was like in an occupation where like I was expected to show up and not only it'd be like you know in an office with like your coworkers, but like with the general public coming at you yeah. all day and like being exposed to like countless you know different people's um, like whatever people have or like just having to con- come into contact yeah, with so many different diseases. random people yeah. and expected to just like sit there and take it like you're not given an option or like you work in a position where like there's no other alternative like you can't work from home or whatever but yeah you can't be a janitor from home and you can't be a service worker from home it's just it's not possible and if you were one of those people who was like you know what actually i don't feel comfortable working in this a lot of employees were just like well screw you you're fired somebody else yeah that's it and it's like well it's so bizarre to put in a position where you have to choose between like your health and your life and feeding your family like it's it, yeah, and so I think like the decisions that a lot of people have made to COVID have been life-risking. It's not mm-hmm. like, oh, I'm going to just decide to work here or not oh, work yeah, here. Of now no it's like, like, oh, yeah, let me just go expose myself. Yeah. Like, I have no choice. We're living in real times right now. It's like, mm-hmm. it's crazy because I've, I've had a lot of people tell me like, you know, like, what, you know, what's, what's going on? And I was like, I was blessed. I was told, to, you know, I was furloughed and I, and I got, you know, yeah. money and I got paid to do what I had to do and. And, you know, I was taking calls and, and still doing stuff from home. But, mm-hmm. like, I didn't have to go into a place where I was like, I don't feel safe here. Like, yeah. you know, you got people sneezing. You got people this and that. And everybody's mm-hmm. touching stuff. And, and not and providing any, like, And there was minimal, minimal stuff. And then, you know, people who I work for were not wearing masks. Mm-hmm. And they put the mask on afterwards. And I'm just like, oh, man. Like, Guys. <laughs> I'm just like. You you realize people are dying. We're mm-hmm. at, we're getting in the high numbers of deaths in America. Yeah, higher than other countries. I think and it's like five hundred thousand. Yeah, right I think so. And I think that also we are becoming very ignorant because we're like, look, it's you know we're okay and nothing's happened. And then there's the spikes in cases, mm-hmm. and so it's like, no, you're a moron. You, yeah, you have to realize that this is real and you can't pick and choose when you're going to put a mask on exactly if you're going to be around other people you should have a mask all on. the time two yeah. is like don't get too close to people mm-hmm. and you know then there's people that get really upset and yell at other people for not wearing masks um but this is what this is what america has become and this is what the epidemic has done to the world but mm-hmm. i think i think you know places like new zealand even though it's small they've taken care of stuff yeah and this is not the first time America has gone through an ep- you know uh, epidemic of like you know disease and uh, we had it with the Spanish flu that came around mm-hmm. twice yeah and the government was way more tougher than this and people weren't crying out loud saying I need a haircut I just I never understood <laughs> that like I think it's just like the the idea of having a leader who's an idiot 
not stand by his people and his scientists and the people that are important and say, hey, these people are right. We're in an epidemic. I found out about this last year and I forgot to tell you guys, but yeah. let's listen to them now. Like, that's you know, not a leader. That's a fucking narcissist. That's, and it's, and, you know, well, <laughs> there's a lot of things you can say about the rapist Trump that, you know, that I think, you know, we, we can talk about for that's hours. A whole other can of worms. But yeah. let's, you know, as a woman of color in, in America, and the reason why I invited you was because of a conversation we had and I don't know if you want to tell your story mm -hmm. um, of how people have now, they don't realize that their weaponized fear mm -hmm. will cause our death. Absolutely. Or they do, and they use that and knowingly. Exactly. And they, that's They evil. use that to yes. be like, they I are now have this control over you because I'm, I know you're afraid. Exactly. And I know that if I say this, you'll do what I want you exactly. to do. Whether, even though if I'm in the wrong or not, you're gonna do what I say because you're afraid, and I know. Knowing that nowadays, calling the police on a black person, mm -hmm. a black man, a black woman, because we can't forget that there've been killings on both yeah. genders, that now you can probably cause their death. There's a 50-50 mm -hmm. chance that 100%. they're gonna die. Yeah, and if and you they knew don't even that, have to have done anything. Yeah, if I did, if I said I'm gonna do this, and I know this person might die or might not die today, 50-50, mm -hmm. that's dangerous. That's fucking dangerous. And that's. Yeah very evil it is and i think a lot of people now want to use that every single time that they have fear and they don't understand exactly you know um let's let's hear your story so um when i first moved to la um i stayed with like family and friends for the first couple weeks and then i finally got um a place in mount washington like end of february is when i moved in um so it was like a three-bedroom house that i'd be sharing with like um this other woman so i found the place through craigslist actually she put up an ad about this room for rent and like it was a beautiful place like up in mount washington like on a hill beautiful views um like a really beautiful like well designed home um very like unique features and had like a lovely like succulent garden like um the living room was like this beautiful like separate little like building just like outside of the main house it had like all glass windows you could like see into like this beautiful solid succulent garden and there was like views of like um like atwater village out the other side like it was a beautiful place if you guys don't know mount washington it's literally a mountainside in highland park that is its own area it's like eagle rock basically it's like yeah it's like part eagle rock part part highland park mm -hmm. and then there's you know on the other bottom side of that is also where I used to live, which is um, Glassell Park and mm -hmm. Cypress Park as well. Um, beautiful homes, really unique looking places. There's mm -hmm. also like a hotel that has become a wellness center up, oh, okay. up there. And they used to have a tennis court and everything. Beautiful place, but. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I found this place. Um, like it wasn't a cheap place. Like it was definitely like at the top end of my budget, but I was like, you know what? It's a beautiful place. This woman, she seems cool. Like um, she's also Canadian. Um, but she'd been living in LA since like she came, I think she went to like UC Berkeley for college. So she came down here and she was working or she works in, she hasn't like died or anything. <laughs> uh, she works, she's still alive. Uh, she works in the cannabis industry. She's like um, a chef. And so she's been like, um, she has like her own line of like edibles. And like, she's been like on a couple um, like vice TV shows that are like around cooking with um, cannabis and stuff like that. So she's kind of like known in the industry and i was like okay well i mean you know i checked her out on social media she's got lots of followers she seems like a you know a decent person when i met with her um she was like seemed like you know accommodating like um flexible with like me moving in and like helping me with like um 
because like I didn't I, when I came here I literally didn't have any furniture like I came with just like two suitcases of clothes and so like the first weekend I got there like she had like in the third bedroom that she used as like her office she there was like a, a twin bed in there she's like oh you can stay in here for the first couple of days until like your bed arrives and you know she's like super flexible and it's kind of weird because when I was moving out so there was another guy who was staying in the room that I that I was moving into and they were like having issues but when I was moving in, she made it seem like he was the problem, like just saying like, oh, this guy, he's weird. Like, he's like, this guy was like a, a massage therapist. And she's like, oh, like he's been like sleeping on my couch. Um, Cause like he had a room, but she's like, oh, I hate how he like, he sleeps on my couch in the living room. And like, he's like turned that into like his own like massage space. And it's like, he's always like having p people come in and out of the house for like his business. And she just made it seem like he was like this really like undesirable character that he was just like this weird, I think he's Australian. Um, and she's like, oh, like he like picks stuff up on the side of the road, like furniture. I was like, oh, okay. Like, I don't know. I didn't know this guy, but she basically made it seem like he was a problem. And I had like one interaction with him because we were kind of like moving in and out. It was like At a bit of an time. overlap yeah. um, of a few days. But like the one time that I met him when I was in the house, I was like making food. Like he was like super nice, just like a chill, like kind of older guy. Like, I, I don't know. He seemed okay to me, but when she she just made it seem like he was a problem i think that should have been like the first red flag to me Clue that something was going yeah on. that something was going on like he'd only been there for a few months and like at one point she was like yeah i'm just gonna be like such a bitch to him until he leaves and i was like okay i guess if he's a horrible person like <laughs> I, I guess like i just i just didn't know so anyway i moved in um everything was great i was there for about three or four weeks before um quarantine happened and then that's when things kind of started to change um, like I kind of feel like she's someone who just doesn't handle stress very well. So once pen, uh, lockdown happened and I started to work from home, things got weird. Like the first thing was um, when I first started working from home, like I, we have like an there's like an island in the kitchen, and because I didn't have like a desk or anything, like I just didn't want to be like working in, like from my bed yeah. or on the couch. So I was kind of sitting in the kitchen to work for the first week. Everything was fine, but at the end of the week, she's like, "You can't work in here anymore." I was like, "Huh?" Um, and so basically it was, a hurt. it was weird because I was like confused cause like I, uh, okay. Like I, you know, and she's like, I need to be in here to like do my work. Cause she's like a chef obviously. I was like, mm -hmm. okay, yeah, that's fair. But like, you know, I kind of felt like she was telling me instead of it being like a conversation, like yeah. roommates, we share this space. And I was like, okay, yeah, that's, I mean, if you need to do your job in here, like obviously I'm not going to say no, like I'm not going to keep you from like your livelihood. Like, okay. But it was just weird the way it happened. And I was like. I, I even remember saying to her like I don't understand why you're upset because the way she said it was like you can't work in here like this is a problem I was just like okay mm -hmm. um and so I was just like yeah like I feel like this could have been a conversation like it's there's nothing to fight about here but I just feel like you know you're kind of telling me instead of asking me and she's like well I need the space to do my job so da, da, da. and I was like that's fine like whatever but after that things started to get a bit weird so we had that kind of like weird interaction where we kind of like I just kind of like took a step back so I was like I don't know why you're mad at me I just mm -hmm. it's weird so things were a bit rocky between us like we kind of didn't really talk for a couple of days after that but um as kind of like a a consolation I guess she had like a, a desk and a chair that she put for me in our living room because like she was like okay well since she was like, you can't work in the kitchen, she's like, I'll set up a space for you in the living room, a desk and a chair so you can work in there. And I was like, okay, cool. Like, she offered to do this, like, volunteered. Like, I didn't ask her, but she put a chair and a desk in there. I was like, cool. But why wasn't that the first part of the conversation? I don't know. And why wasn't it a conversation? Yeah. Why is it why like it was she's dictating all these passive things? Passive aggressiveness. Me? Yeah. yeah. Uh -huh. So she set up a chair and the desk for me. So I was working from there, and it's fine. 
And then um, a couple weeks later, she sits me down. She's like, oh, oh, she's like, she texts me. She's like, oh, can we like talk? And I was like, okay. So um, I come in the kitchen. She's like, yeah, I just want to let you know I might not have enough money to pay rent for next month. So because she's a chef, like she's kind of freelancing, like she works for herself. But because of COVID, she obviously couldn't be like teaching classes Mm -hmm. and like working with people and like making money that way. And she's like, yeah, like, you know, things with my business just aren't going great. So I'm not sure. And I was like, okay, um, I see. Let's like talk to the landlord, see what he says before we start freaking out. Because like I knew a lot of landlords like weren't evicting people or like if you couldn't pay rent during that time, they couldn't do it. I was like, talk to the landlord first, see what he says, and then we'll figure it out from there. And then at this, in that same conversation, she's also like, was trying to get me to pay more money. She's like, well, you've been using, um, you've been working in the living room, you know, a lot. Like, you know, she's trying to get me to pay more for using a communal space. But like, she wasn't paying more to use the kitchen, but she was trying to get me to pay more to use the living room where she'd set up the chair for me and the desk. And she was also trying to get me to pay more utilities. And I was like, essentially, she was like trying to get me to pay her portion, yeah. her portion of the rent because she couldn't afford it. Afford it. And I was like, I, you know what i'm already at the top end of my budget like this is what we agreed to when i moved in yeah this is what i'm comfortable with like i yeah i'm not comfortable with paying anymore and so she felt a bit like sour because i was like i'm not paying my money like yeah i'm not yeah i'm not paying your, your side of red girl yeah yeah so things were a bit like sour between us after that and then um maybe like a day or so later I decided that I was just going to move out at this point because I was like, I just moved to this country. Like, I need stability. Yeah. And if you can't pay rent this month, like, coronavirus, this was like in mm, maybe like early April, mid-April. I was like, I just, we don't, this isn't going away in a month. So, like, next month, you're going to be in the same position. Like, I just, I don't want to be every month being like, oh, is this the month where we get kicked out when I have to leave? Like, I just, I don't know what's going on. And so, I was like, I let her know that I was going to move out because... I just need stability and I need to be somewhere where I don't have to move every month or whatever. And I'm kind of like, you know, being new here, like I want to put down roots. I've just moved here. I don't want to be moving all the time and like lugging my stuff around in a suitcase all the time. Like it's not cool. Um, So I sent her an email saying, you know what? I'm just going to move out at the end of the month. And she got pissed. And she, um, she then like took all her stuff. Like she took away the desk and the chair that she put for me in the living room. She's like, (laughs) took that away um she took all her stuff out of the kitchen like it was all her stuff but it was like the um like the plates and the cutlery and the pots like she said i could use them because like i said i came here with like just my clothes and so she like took everything away and like hid it in her room so like i couldn't use it like she left like one fork and one knife and like one spoon for me i was like you know what Mm -hmm. this is stupid like i'm I'm just gonna get my own stuff like i'm not gonna let you dictate that i have one knife and one like this is weird yeah and um, also in that living room that we had, we had a space heater in there because um, at one point she said, you know what, if you get cold, because it was still like, um, in, it was still winter, like early spring. So it was like still a bit chilly. And she was like, you know, if you ever get cold, just take the space heater from that outside room and put it in your room instead of like nice. turning up the heat. Because like obviously it'll um, bring up the cost yeah. of the utilities and she was mm-hmm. already having financial issues. And so after all that happened, um, when she took out the furniture, so it was cold one day and I took the... Um, the space heater and I put it in my room and she sent me a text message being like give me back my space heater and I was <laughs> like it's you can have it I'm not like holding it ransom like, yeah. you can take it like it's fine I'll just and I was like I'll just turn up the heat because like it's cold and like my room was like the coldest part of the house mm-hmm. and she's like I was like yeah it's fine you can take back your heater like I'm not holding it ransom like I'm just gonna put up the heat because I'm cold mm-hmm. and she's like well good luck with that and I was mm-hmm. essentially saying like because the um the th- what do you call it the box that has thermostat 
thermostat, yeah. It was like right by her room. So basically what she was saying was like, if you turn up the heat, oh, she's just gonna it turn it down. Yeah. And like basically like saying that I couldn't use utilities, which I am paying for. So that was weird and her just being like, you can't use the utilities and like taking away the heater and then like putting all her stuff in like all the kitchen stuff away. So because she took all the kitchen stuff away, this was like on a weekend. So on the Monday morning, um, I was like, okay, I'm just gonna go to Target and like buy like disposable stuff because like plates and cutlery. Cause like I'm moving out anyway, like there's no yeah, point to me you buying don't need it. Yeah. stuff for like a few weeks cause then I have to move it. And so the night before that I had been doing my laundry. So the washer and dryer was in my bathroom. We both had our own bathrooms. Mm -hmm. And so I had my wet dark stuff in um, the washer and I had like dry, like lighter colors in the dryer, but like I hadn't switched them because it was like getting late when I was doing laundry the night before. So I was like, let me leave it in there. And then Monday morning I'll finish it because I don't wanna like yeah. make noise. Yeah. Cause like our, we had a very old like washer dryer. It was like very noisy and like had this loud like buzzing sound when it was done. And so the morning after she took all the stuff away, like I left at like 8 a.m to go to Target to buy my stuff. And like, obviously she knows I work Monday to Friday. I work every day. Yeah. And so I left at like eight. And then when I came back, like 45 minutes later, she taken like my wet dark stuff and put it put on it my light dry stuff. light stuff. And I was like, Jesus. I kind of lost it. Cause I was like, <clears throat> are you purposely trying to like ruin my stuff? And she's like, well, you left. I didn't know when you were coming back. I was like, it's a work day. You know, I work every single day, Monday to Friday. All my stuff is here. I was like, what, you could have just texted me to find out when I'm coming back and I would have told you I'll be back in like 10 minutes. She's like, Ugh, whatever. And then at that point she also was like accusing me. She went through my laundry basically and like was like, I guess she saw like some of like, I sleep in like big t-shirts and stuff. And she was like accusing me of like doing the laundry of like this guy that I've been seeing. She's like, well, why are you doing his laundry? Da, da, da. Like she went through my laundry and was like accusing me of doing wow. his laundry. And I was like, what? This is so bizarre. Like I'm not 15. Like. You're not my mom. Like, yeah. why? Also, why are you going through my laundry, like my underwear and stuff? Like, this is fucking uh. weird. And it was just, things got like worse after that. So, um, it was just like after that, it was just like a downward spiral. And also, prior to the pandemic, like when the pandemic first happened, we had a discussion about like having people over. And she was like, um, yeah, it's fine if you want to have someone over, like whatever. Because like, cause, like, I don't know anybody in LA. So, I had like one person that would come over, this guy that I was seeing. He was the only person that ever came over. And um, a few weeks after that, he came over. And before he came over, I sent her a text being like, hey, he's coming over. And she's like, okay. And so he came over and he spent the night. And then like the following morning, like we were in my bathroom and I heard her, I think she heard us like in the bathroom and she got pissed. Cause I remember him saying like, oh, like why is she like banging around in the kitchen? Cause my bathroom was like right by the kitchen. Mm -hmm. So I guess she was pissed that he was like in the bathroom with me. And she was like banging stuff around in the kitchen. And we're just like, okay, that's weird. But like, she knew he was coming. She said, okay, that he was coming the night before. Like, so we go for a walk. And while I'm out on this walk with him, she sends me all these like horrible text messages saying like, you're in the middle of pandemic. It's super responsible of you to like have someone over, da, da, da. And I was like, but you knew this person was coming before they came. You said, okay. And also we discussed having people over and you said you were fine. And she's like, well, it's super responsible during a pandemic. Like I could report you to the CDC. Like she was like threatening to call the CDC on me. I was like, you're gonna call me, call the CDC to report someone that you allowed to have in your house. That doesn't make any sense. And um, uh, what happened after that? Um, yeah, oh, and then she was like, um, cause I guess my friend didn't have a car. So I guess he took an Uber there. And she's like, you're disgusting. You're putting like, um, he took an Uber here. Like, didn't you know he's gonna do that? And I was like, I'm not his mother. I don't know how people get here. Like he could have, I don't know how he's gonna get here. But basically she was saying that I was selfish and disgusting because 
because he was endangering the Uber driver's life by taking an Uber to our house. And I was like, how the eh. f- I mean, why would why would she want to call? Why would the CDC come over and be like, oh, you? They're in the middle of a pandemic. I know. It's like then, real problems. Yeah. You call them like on yourself. Like, I don't understand. Yeah. So she's trying to call the CDC on me, just saying like, and she's like, oh, you're not allowed to have people over anymore. Well, I was like that's weird because I pay rent here and you don't own this house so like you can't really tell me it just got weird with her like trying to like tell me like you can't have people here and I was like bro I'm not your slave you can't tell me that I can and cannot have people over and like it was very telling about her the fact that she felt like she could tell me what I was was and wasn't allowed to do in this house it was like so strange and then after that things just got worse like there was a lot of back and forth like via text messages I can show you all these crazy text messages later and the videos because like I started recording everything that was happening like there's one instance where like we were having an argument and um it was at the kitchen table i was like making like a smoothie and she was like about to leave the kitchen and then like we started arguing and then she was like walking away but then she came back and i was like okay you know what just leave me alone like i don't want to like have this discussion with you anymore and she's like no i'm gonna sit here and then like, she came like sat at the table where i was like making my food and she's like no i'm gonna sit here and i can sit here and do whatever i want and like she basically sat there just to, like antagonize me and like yell in my face but she was clearly done in the kitchen because she was about to walk off. Mm-hmm. Then when I said, leave me alone, doesn't she was like, no, I can sit here and do what I want. Like, she's like 35 years old. And she came and sat there in my face just to like antagonize me. And I was like, this is wild. So um, anyway, just like kept getting worse and worse and worse. And then the last thing that happened was, um, so I, I told her I was moving out, obviously. And like we, by text and email, I confirmed several times like when I was leaving. Um, and so she sent me a text message this one day being like, hey, can you confirm like when you're leaving? And I didn't respond right away because it was the middle of the work day. Like I worked nine to five, like six ish. So it's like maybe at, like five. She's mm, it was, like late afternoon. She sent me this text message and I didn't respond because like I was in the middle of work. Like I don't want to deal with you. Like just I don't talk to you right now. And she came in the room where I was working, that like little outside living room area. And she came to the door and she's like, can you respond to my text message, which you sent 10 minutes earlier? while I'm working I had my headphones on I was like hey like I'm working right now I'll get back to you like when I'm done she's like no answer me right now when are you leaving I was like we've discussed all this by text message and email many times I've told you the day I'm leaving she's like yeah well I'm waiting for someone else to come and move in like you need to confirm when you're leaving I was like yeah I'll get back to you when I'm done she's like no tell me right now I was like this is so bizarre and like have you ever seen like when a little kid has like a temper tantrum and just go "Ah," and like throw (laughs) their hands in the air and like freak out that's what she did a grown-ass person and then she slammed so we had like a a glass sliding door and then a screen door Uh she slammed the screen door so hard that it broke and stormed off and i was like wow okay this is wild and then at the same time coincidentally like the wi-fi was like cutting out so i went back into the main part of the house to um on to like reset the router mm-hmm. and then when i'm in there um <clears throat> like sitting in front of the router i heard i hear her going past me saying it's there's nothing wrong with it you dumb bitch i was just oh like, nice okay and i heard her saying on the because f- i think she was on the phone with a friend she's like no i don't care i'm gonna sit in there until she answers me so i go back into the room and she's now come into like the living room where i was working she's come into the room and she's sitting on the couch and she's like playing music on her phone and like smoking a joint like while I'm working like so basically trying to like antagonize me and purposely like disturb me while I'm working she's like I'm just gonna sit here until you answer my text message I was like you already know when I'm leaving also you're like 35 like why are you sitting here like who acts like this I've never in my life seen I think think there's a whole 
group of society that acts like this. I was shocked because I've, I've, I've just never I've seen I've seen it. people do this a lot, and commonly I've seen it done by white people. And, yeah. you know, I have tons of white friends. My girlfriend's white. Mm-hmm. Um, so I know that not all white people are the same. Mm-hmm. But these trait behaviors are very privileged. It's entitledness. And the, the entitledness of it. And, like, the fact that one of the things that you said to me that was really, like, poignant was that we now have to, you know, a la Donald Glover, mm-hmm. we now have to use our cell phone as a tool. Yeah. Yeah. So I'd started actually recording all these interactions that I just told you about. Like, I've recorded all of it because like I started to feel like unsafe. Like especially after she broke the door, that to me and like did that whole like weird screaming tantrum thing. I was like, what the fuck? I've yeah. never seen this. Cause I was starting to think like maybe she's having some kind of like breakdown mental or, break or yeah. like she's coming like unhinged. Like I was like really like afraid. And like after sharing all these like videos and like telling my friends and family what's been happening, my parents were like, you need to get a hotel room. Yeah. Cause I think it was like a week and a half or so before my move out date. She's like, my family were like, you need to get a hotel room and don't stay there because like you're not safe. Like they were all super worried. And also my bedroom door didn't have a lock on it. And so, um, you know, after that at night, I started sleeping with like, my luggage like piled on top of each other in mm. front of the door. That way it's like, cause I was like, if she comes in, at least I'll, like, I'll hear it and I'll have no a minute fault. to like, yeah. you know, I just felt like I don't know what she's going to do next. Yeah. And um, I, also at that point I started, you know, I sent her an email just being like, from now on, like until I leave, if you need to talk to me, send me an email. Got it. I just don't want to have any kind of, please yeah. do not interact with me in person at all because I just felt so uncomfortable, so unsafe. I was like, I feel like this is going to escalate. Like, I don't know what you're going to do next. So I was like, if you need anything from me, send me an email, but don't speak to me in person. Yeah. And it was just like weird stuff like that. Like she would like come while I was working after these fights and she would like, make noise outside the window like while i was like on a call with my clients and like just try and do things like disrupt me and like antagonize me and i was just like this is why wasn't she looking for work (laughs) why was she trying to mess with you that was like her full-time job an adult person act like this but i I feel like it it happens a lot where like people feel that you know they don't they don't want to mind their own business Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i feel like it's happening so much now that we're looking at all these videos that are coming out and again you know Donald Glover's song This Is America was you know it's so poignant to like everything that's happening right now like Mm -hmm. we're we're having to look at all these videos of people just going unhinged not knowing how to react maybe Corona did bring that out on them maybe that's Mm -hmm. the real disease or maybe it's only like we've it's always been here but we haven't seen it as much as we have now exactly you know these these Karens and these mm-hmm. Toms that are just walking around and like not minding their own business. Not minding your own business. You got you got that guy who attacked those little girls and they're white. They're white girls. They're, mm-hmm. He attacked these little girls for doing uh, having signs that said Black Lives Matter. Oh really? And he snatched them out of their hand and he just said a bunch of stuff and threatened them. A grown ass man snatching attack little girls. attacking little girls. And you know any father would have been upset and mm-hmm. would have been like, oh, I'm gonna beat the shit out of this guy yeah. like, and you know and he got caught and he didn't understand why he police was after him and like what he did that was so wrong and it's like what? you attack children children you for no reason would attack children for any reason you'd go to jail you like, were what? not in danger they yeah. were not doing anything to you you approach them and so when does fear and anger or disagreement with another person's belief become a weapon for you to use to your liking and you think that there's no responsibility to it. Exactly. You go up to a man who's painting his own building, putting Black Lives Matters on it, 
and you tell him why is he doing that and that it's mm -hmm. not constructive and that he shouldn't deface other people's property mm -hmm. and where he's like this is my property exactly but what made you think that you can come to me and mm -hmm. disturb me or bother me mm -hmm. why did you become so busybody and stuff why are you so worried about yeah. what i'm doing worry about yourself <laughs> it, it's like it's like the karen that cooper lady in amy central cooper. park uh -huh. amy cooper this moron goes and bothers a black man who's first of all he's a black man who's bird watching right uh, this dude is doing nothing nothing but looking at birds probably the nerdiest shit ever yeah good exactly. for him he likes birds my girlfriend <laughs> likes bird watching too which i make fun of her about it is the weirdest thing to be like i'm gonna go bird watching so let alone he's he's got binoculars and he's looking at birds and he probably has a book mm -hmm. and he's probably cataloging stuff mm -hmm. minding his own effing business because you know he's like me I, i'd rather just hang out with animals than <laughs> most people <That's> fair. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then he's totally got fair. he's got you know he's got this this stuff and, and you know he's just minding his own business and this woman is supposedly you know a dog lover mm -hmm. is choking out her dog just to call the police yeah and the funny thing man. is she's the one that was in the wrong because her dog you're not, a, not a leash. supposed to be on a leash yeah. in that area and he asked her nicely yeah can you put your dog on and a so leash because she was in the wrong and he called her out yeah she was gonna call the cops on him she weaponized her so anger oh the screaming when she's like ah he's attacking me yes. and we're just like everyone's watching the video just like Like you knew, okay? you, you knew, knew what you were doing. that this man would have gotten killed mm -hmm. or beaten up, mm -hmm. arrested, any severe consequence yeah. by you telling the cops that he was attacking you when he wasn't. Mm -hmm. So you specifically did what women who have are doing racist have been doing for centuries. <laughs> yeah. Emmett Teal. Exactly. How many black men were killed because they apparently looked at a white woman the wrong way? I think it was like, I remember seeing, I can't remember his name, but there's this case of this little boy who's literally like 12 years old. I think he's like the youngest person who was like, die in the chair. The chair. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. Oh, it's such a heartbreaking. Cause like he there was a movie about anything, it too. But it's so heartbreaking because in the pictures of him, as the prison guards are like strapping him into the chair, he's like crying. And it's like this little boy. A little boy on a chair. And he's like not even big enough to properly like be in the chair. You know, the whole Tulsa, Oklahoma came from like one girl said that she was raped by a black man. And so they mass murdered a whole town, Black yeah. Wall Street, yeah. one of the most progressive black communities in mm -hmm. America. That was threatening the white people because apparently black people were getting too big, you know. They, I mean, they even, like, shot after the black firemen, people that were there to put out fires. They shot them so they wouldn't do anything. They attacked That's anybody bad. they can. They destroyed the businesses because they didn't want them to progress. And they turned a fear of, like, oh, this little white girl got raped. And But there was no due, due process. There was no, no court. There was no evidence. There was nothing. Nothing. And then, to top it off, they tried to destroy all accounts. They tried to destroy all the articles in the newspaper. Mm -hmm. They have maybe about two to three mass graves where they buried people, and they didn't say anything about it. Oh, my God. And they said, well, we don't know what happened. They all left. And they said only 16 people died. 16? But That by all accounts... It's probably in the thousands of people oh that died. God. Died, not survived, yeah. but died. Jeez. And they destroyed a whole community Entirely that didn't over need them. Some white woman's word. That was progressing over a woman who lied, a bigot who lied. And that's the thing. It's like 
you know, I, I listened to Ellen Pompeo, the, mm-hmm. Ellen Pompeo, the woman from Grey's Anatomy, saying yeah. that she's like, it is our responsibility as white Caucasian people to mm-hmm. walk into a room and demand to see colors that we see when we're on the outside. Room. Yeah, exactly. And she's like, you know, because she's a big believer that white silence is violence. It absolutely and it's like, is. It 100% we, is. We have to start taking responsibility for stuff. Mm-hmm. Brown people as well. We mm-hmm. cannot just say this is a black problem anymore. Mm-hmm. We can't say, well, black people, you know, they get themselves into this mess. And we have to start correcting our elders who don't know any better because Telemundo and Univision, yeah. which are two Spanish stations owned by NBC, are not educating people correctly. And they're mm-hmm. protagonist, you know, they're making Perpetuating these this, like, protests like, oh, look at these looters that they're out there protesting. There are looters protesting. There's looters out there. But they're not the ones who are protesting. They're the ones these that took advantage totally of it. Separate groups of people. Exactly. There's people from uh, BLM that are catching these guys in the act and saying why are you doing this why yeah. are you breaking I've this seen so why many are you videos doing that? of people like this might be a bit of like a conspiracy theory but like there's a video of like from um from the la riot protest where she kind of turned into a riot where the cop car got burnt mm-hmm. and there's a video of a white woman she's the one who's like putting the stuff gasoline in there, yeah. on the car mm-hmm. and she's talking to some guy who's like in like a hoodie like there's some kind of thing going on and everyone's like who is this person she wasn't in the protest we n- no one you know that's part of like the movement like recognizes her but why are you out here pouring gasoline on the car and then also there was a man who just died in atlanta recently who was killed by police like within the last like two or three days yeah i'm sorry i can't remember his name because i just saw it in the news today but i saw another video because like he was the police killed him because they thought he was like they, they were called initially because like someone thought he was sleeping in the drive through or something at a wendy's in atlanta yeah and there's video of a white woman like burning because that wendy's ended up getting burnt down and this video of like a white woman, another who looks like the same white woman in that other video, pouring gasoline in the Wendy's, like starting the fire. And all the black protesters are just like, we don't know this person. Yeah. Uh, we don't know what she's doing. Yeah. But she's out here just like pouring gasoline. I think there's like a lot of um, far right people who have like in, who are infiltrating the protests to make yes. it look worse by like, you know, starting fires and damaging property. But they found they found some members of like uh, KKK, and they found mm-hmm. some members of you know all right movements who were at the marches dressed mm-hmm. in disguise. Yeah, and, and starting like, people shit. Like, started to, like identify them. Yeah, because, like, of, like what they're tattoos wearing or, or what they're wearing mm-hmm. and stuff. And, mm-hmm. and I think they were trying to get away with it because they're like, oh, we're all wearing masks, and so no one will know I'm here. Exactly. And they followed one guy who was just breaking windows everywhere, mm-hmm. and he had a radio in his ear. Mm-hmm. And he was followed by black people. And they were just saying, like, what are you doing? Like, why are you breaking this stuff? Like, mm-hmm. who are you? And he just kept moving away. And then he started trying to attack somebody with the, the hammer that he had. And they were like, who are you, man? Like, I don't know you. Like, yeah, you, you're not, part of, you're not part of this. Like, where did you come from? Like, who are you with? And then, there's clearly and so people it's like, that are being inserted into these protests to just And that's the thing. It's like, this is the moment it. that now we all have to get together. Mm-hmm. We got to stop saying that it's somebody else's problem. Yeah. We have to... Uh, help everybody realize that we all need to be allies mm-hmm. why people are realizing it right now but they don't know what to do mm-hmm. and in some sense they're turning around and saying well um what should i do let's ask somebody and it's like no don't ask black people no. what you should do no. you should put in the work mm-hmm. also google is free Yes. In case anybody didn't know, Google.com is free. You can go there and find any information you want. It's right at your fingertips on the phone that you're on for several hours a day anyway, <laughs> which you know how to use. Like, I'm tired of people. I, you know, I saw this post on Instagram about saying, like, you know, what we need to do. And yeah. one of the points was, like, educate p- white people and, like, help them learn. I was like, you know, I agree with everything in this post except for that one point. I'm not, I'm not going to 
take my emotional time and energy to educate white people because we've been saying these things since like for Forever. hundreds of years yeah. this is not new information yeah. you know what's racist you if you google organizations that help black people that i can donate to or even anything along those lines yeah google will give you a million fucking places to donate to go find me so many things you resources can do. of where you yeah. can learn about what's happening and how not to be a shitty white person there's so many resources out there i'm not gonna waste my time educating at, anymore. at this I'm point tired. we are tired at this point information sometimes even just comes to you now yeah you have it here it's just in your look you. at your stories yeah here here read this it's here this. donate to you don't this. even have to like you look. know like the thing with us we're like we were like we're gonna donate you know we had 20 options to donate to mm-hmm. and and we had a lot of good ones, you know, the bailout fund. Yeah. And, uh, you know, a lot of the black businesses that we already, you know, contribute to that we buy from because we like their food. Mm-hmm. We were like, OK, we're going to help them out, too, as well, because we want them to survive. Not only yeah. the pandemic, but we also want to support them and let them know, like, hey, we're here for that. Yeah. And also, like, the, in the other sense, also educating ourselves and our friends and calling people out for saying stuff like, no, mm-hmm. yeah, it's not OK to say the N word. Mm-hmm. It's not. I don't care where you lived or all your friends are black yeah. or, you know, you grew up in a black neighborhood. You just don't get the pass. Yeah. But know? even beyond that, it's like not even calling people out for overt racism anymore because a lot of white liberals who say they're like, oh, I have black friends and all this. But like they have not said anything about what's been going on. Silence. White silence is violence. Yes. So it's not even just about calling out the white people who are doing bad things. But the white people it's who like are not saying up, anything. Get upset. Say something. Because How are you claiming to be my friend? Yeah. But you have nothing to say about what's going on. And it's and then and it doesn't even take that much. All you have to do is like literally reshare something on your stories or talk about it with somebody. Yeah. Like educate somebody in your family who doesn't understand what's going on. Or even just acknowledge. Yeah. That, like this is fucked just up. Tell like, people like, look, these people are protesting because of the stuff that's happening, mm-hmm. and we're all a part of this. We're all complicit in this. And yeah, it's not. We can't no longer say, hey, no, it's okay. Like, you know. They started killing black men. Then they started killing black women. Mm-hmm. Now there's, in the trans last week, two women. trans women that have been killed. You know, mm-hmm. in Mexico, they decapitated a trans woman mm-hmm. and left her head in, in uh, the city hall. In you know, city hall? In city hall. That's fucking crazy. And, the, and the, one of the black women that they found this week, they, she had severed legs. Jeez. I mean, it's like horrific things with happening to the trans community. Mm-hmm. And, you know, trans children, you know, they're... They're scared just like black children are scared. Mm-hmm. And I saw a sign that kind of hit me really hard that was like, when when Floyd called out for his mama, mm-hmm. he called out all the mothers in the world. Mm-hmm. Because if you're a mother and your child is getting killed, mm-hmm. you're going to do anything possible to get in the way. Yeah, And that was so real. It's enough. We've had enough. Think I'm about tired. being a black child in America and seeing all these images of black of people getting hosed down and dogs mm-hmm. and stuff like that and growing up like that and then now watching the news and it's still happening. and seeing this happening and you're like, well, what's the difference? That's my future. That's one of the things that like scares me. Of you know, I'm at an age where like most people my age are like settling down, getting married, and like having kids. And for me, the thought of like having a black child is so frightening to me because I'm just like. I'm just so scared of like what could happen to them, but also just like, I don't want my kids to have to grow up like knowing like, okay, if you see the cops, like you need to do these things. Like, I don't want them to have to like, that's not a childhood because for me, black kids don't get to just be kids. From a young age, you are taught to know, you not even if people teach you, just see that people are gonna treat you differently. The cops are not here to help you. Like you always have to be like on high alert. And that's fucking, that's traumatic. Like, I don't want my kids to have to always, like, they have to grow up too fast. That's yeah. what I was looking for. 
like black kids have to grow up too fast like they don't get to just be kids and just grow up like believing in you know that people are just good you know what i mean you always have to go in there be like okay what's this person gonna try and do how are they gonna try and spin it like what's their angle like they never just get to be kids and just carefree as the future as me growing up and seeing the future i you know my concern was always like am i gonna get robbed by the gangsters in my neighborhood mm -hmm. or am i gonna get shot by the police mm -hmm. like, I, like i can't win that's stress that like yeah that like lives in your body like you know it's like when you for even for me now for example like one of the things i said about like moving to other that i didn't like was like you have to have a car and so now i have a car here i've never been pulled over in my life but anytime i'm in my car and i drive by and i see there's cops or like you know i'm using ways and says oh cops ahead mm -hmm. i my body immediately like tenses up i have such a fear of getting pulled over that like it stresses me out i've never done anything that would you know warrant me getting pulled over but that doesn't matter because remember sandra bland she didn't do anything yeah. and she ended up dying she ended up dying every time i see cops i am like i have so much fear in my body if you think about the average black man or black woman in america and some of the biggest diseases that are attacking them you know heart attack is mm -hmm. probably one of the biggest depression depression health, yeah. and it's because they live in constant fear, fear. and stress of what's yes. going to happen next so you know much stress worrying not only for yourself but like every time your kids leave the yeah. door like jeez. i just remember when i was a kid and i went to a march for 187 and there was a law that was being trying to be passed mm -hmm. that wanted to sort of classify and you know um mark everybody who was an immigrant and sort of like so they knew where they were at this sounds like nazi germany like and, where you're gonna be like and this stars was, on everybody yeah like, and this was brought into it was it was That's the law was a little bit more complicated than that but that was one of the pieces that governor pete wilson the most hateful racist ever in california who became a governor wanted to pass through and pete wilson the piece of shit that he is wanted one time said i want to make sure that i label everybody so we know where they're at so in case we have to help them Oh, no, help them? You're no, son. But I remember being at a march and somebody said to me, you know, I used to live in in, um, in Chavez Ravine, which Where's is that? now Dodger Stadium. Oh, okay. And I used to live in Chavez Ravine. And I remember, like, when these people make up their mind and they want you, they'll take you out. Mm -hmm. And they came and they took our property. And then in this course said that, you know, Mexicans were being you know combative while you're stealing their property while you're stealing their I property i mean would you not be combative if someone was like stealing your property your take home your house you out? where do you like, go like where is like, like okay thanks guys just yeah and it's stuff. like and it's like, no, like no, los angeles is notorious for pushing people out it's just la has had such a really bloodshed history for treating minorities in a way where it's like horrible watts you know south mm -hmm. central i remember in the 50s if you're black you couldn't go into inglewood Really? It was like when I used to go as a teenager to Culver City, I knew that I had a t limited time mm -hmm. before I got stopped by the police. And it never failed. So one of the uh, one of the things that I I've been doing lately has been just like reading up a lot on trying to figure out what I can do and what's the next step. Mm -hmm. So, you know, a lot of people are going to these marches and I went myself and I noticed a lot of weird things that were happening the dynamics of a march and protest mm -hmm. are very different than you know being part of a cause and actually trying to be like into it doing the work so a lot of people go for different reasons they're tired they don't want to deal with this anymore they're angry mm -hmm. um and this generation more than anything has been really upset about all the shit that's been happening because a lot of these people grew up 
as children knowing that we had a black president mm -hmm. and yeah. they now are just coming into the fold of like oh now i'm an adult and i can vote and mm -hmm. i'm angry because we have a rapist who's a president who's an idiot who Racist. hates the environment because he wants to make money off of it hates women uh and thinks that they're play toys mm -hmm. has some weird obsession with young girls including that, his daughter including his daughter weird. that i think is one of the reasons why uh, anonymous is trying to drop all this information because mm -hmm. they know that he's part of that whole epstein 100%. you know child he definitely had epstein trafficking you know ring and he's probably had you know he probably had sex with little girls because mm -hmm. that's exactly what this guy did he just trafficked young women yeah i remember there was that age. interview of like when ivanka i think she was like 16 and he's yeah. going on about like how she's like great legs and like all this weird stuff like yeah oh that's like not how you talk and one, it, and about it makes a lot of sense now about your daughter yeah Ugh, it's just it, so he's gross. like oh she's hot you know if, and, and, and if i was single and i was like what gross. are you I, are you ugh. just disgusting and and this not only tells what kind of human being he is but it makes all this more believable like i mm -hmm. hope that we do get that information of him being part of this ring and that we get rid of him i, I don't think that you know somebody said like no matter how, what you you may think you can't be present forever and mm -hmm. one day you're going to get caught yeah the other thing that i've been doing is i've been sort of like figuring out the dynamics of those protests like some people go and they they're like oh yeah i'm, I'm gonna you know be part of this mm -hmm. but then i'm gonna go home and everything's okay i was part of the march yeah this and they don't want to do the work and the other thing that upset me was people that want to let their friends know they were at the march but they don't actually March. So I definitely noticed a lot of people like taking pictures yes. and being like, hey, like take a picture of me at this sign. Like, yeah, it's very performative. And like, so on one hand, like one of the really great things I've been seeing, because um, I went to the protest that was at City Hall like two weeks ago. Mm -hmm. One really great kind of inspiring thing that I noticed is like a lot of the people that were protesting were young white people. And also when there was the one in Highland Park a few days later, yes. it was all young white kids yeah. that were like leading these protests. Yeah. And I was like, this is great. One, because it's like, these are young people, so the future. Yes. And two, it's like not just black kids like trying to like carry the weight of this on our yes. own. They are taking on this responsibility, and yeah. it gives me so much hope to see you know young like uh, white kids like late teens, early twenties that are like taking this on because like they're the future. Yes. And it gives me hope for the future. And like, I, I feel like we're not going to see the kind of changes that we want in our lifetime, but I'm hoping in my kids' lifetime. Like, and you I know, feel like these people are like the future leaders. So like 10, 15 years they're the ones that are going to be running stuff and it gives me so much hope. a lot of the older people that were there were saying like i wanted we thought we were going to see change in our lifetime and i was like well, well it's going to take a long thing but i think nowadays yeah. we're, we're ramped up the fact that there's young white people out there like mm -hmm. saying like we're angry as shit about this mm -hmm. like let's do something about it and like even the march here in highland park like to see the community come out so many white kids and like, the community was giving out water and kids. there was like brown people just like mm -hmm. uh, from their businesses just like doing that i was yeah. thinking like this is what we need like you have to understand we need to do this together we can't do it on our own no because it, it was just black people doing everything and doing all the work one there's only so many of us we're not like the majority in this yeah. country and two white people have that generational wealth they have like more um expendable income like they you know and also like fucking reparations like yeah fucking donate the money that you have like it shouldn't just be on us to fix this problem because we didn't create this problem no it's your ancestors yeah. that created yeah. this problem so it's not it's not our burden our, on our own one one of the other things that i did too besides you know being part of it is that like how do i educate myself more and, and mm -hmm. what do i need to know and how do i educate the people around me because i i have 
multicultural friends. I have white friends. I have black friends. Mm-hmm. I have brown friends. I have Asian friends. And, you know, I saw a woman at the march with a sign that said Asians for Black Lives Matter. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was yeah, wonderful. And then I also feel like I love my friends. Like, I know my friends are not, you know, the racists that I see. Although, yeah, they're white, but they're mm-hmm. not those racists. And, and I feel like they're always open yeah. to having to hear stuff. But then I also have to make sure that I reach out for my own brown people and Mm -hmm. say, hey, like, it's not okay for us to not be part of this. We need to step up and we need to figure out what to do. And we need to stop leaning on black people to to, like guide us and say, hey, we're mad. Okay, we're mad, too. Mm -hmm. No, we have to be like, yo, we're we're getting shot, too. Mm -hmm. And we have to realize that, you know, there's brown men that are being shot. There's immigrants at the border that were executed. There's kids still in cages. There's still kids. There's 3,000 right now. And also been 3,000 unaccounted children. children. We're doing what Canada did, you know, where they took Inuit children and those disappear. Yes, and now we're doing the same thing here. Where are those 3,000 children? How do you lose them also? And why are the children saying that they're being molested? Oh, my God. So now we have Trump's molesting ring again. They're now, they have a vulnerable children. kids yeah. in their care that they can now do they'll whatever they want They'll deport the parents, but they'll leave these children here. Deport the children. Yeah. Let them go back. But don't put them in a cage and stuff like that. Like if and this we, is so dangerous because these kids who are now separated from their parents who are like, don't know where they are. And also the kids who are like too young that they couldn't, you know, if a kid is like, you know, I don't know, maybe like 10, 11, like, you know your name, you know where you're from, yeah. like, you know who your parents are. But little kids who are too they, they're not going to be like able to like identify like oh I'm from this place and like if they after a few years they'll forget who their parents but are so there's going to be this generation of these kids yeah. a lost generation who don't know their culture don't know where they're from don't know their parents like they, they're just lost they but have the, nothing the no trauma history of who that they that are. creates for it's going to be child. intergenerational because yeah. now their kids are going to suffer and it's just going to keep perpetuating generations of generations of these kids or people who are just like a lost generation who have this like feeling of like um being disconnected from like their roots they don't know who they are they don't know their culture they don't even remember their parents can you imagine how yeah um oh, you, can you imagine just like not even knowing where you're from who your parents are like you've mem- memories of like these people you know but like but also you know and i, and to I was not be able to identify them i was how reading they ever reunite them how you do you re- reunite them it's it's hard because i i feel like it's already a clusterfuck as like where <sighs> they how do you find them but you know, I was reading something where it's like, you don't know the effect. And there was a psychologist saying that. And she said, the effect of having children brought into places, put in cages, and she goes, that hasn't been seen since slavery. Like, they brought these, you know, children from Africa and they displaced them. They put them next to people that they didn't understand mm-hmm. their language. They didn't mm-hmm. even know who they were. How do you go back? Where do you, where do you start taking these children back? And so now we're supposed to be more evolved and now we created another sense of disconnection people that are you know i always one of the things that i feel so deeply is like when i see people saying or hear people saying how racism is a mental health issue like it's not just like oh someone was like mean to me today okay that's it like that stuff stays with you yeah it stays with you and it eats away at like you know it, it takes up real estate in your brain like for example for me like i had a racist incident a week ago with postmates um, I ordered some food, like my favorite pizza place around here. And, um, you know, when it says like your food's around, it's like, oh, go to your door to meet your mm-hmm. driver or your postmate, whatever their name was. And I go to my door and I open the door and I see him and he's like kind of looking around for the number. And he's like, oh, is this like our house number? I was like, yeah, this is that number. And he's like, uh, okay. He's like, 
he's like, um, okay, I'm just gonna call just to make sure. So he c- called in the app and my phone rang. I'm like, yeah. So basically what he's saying is that you're not the person that he lives was here. like, I need to make sure that you're not trying to steal someone's food. food. I'm like, but if, but if uh, your roommates came out, if my roommates who are white had come out, he just would have brought the food right away. There you go. They've, they've never had someone be like, oh, let me just check and make sure that you're the right person. And this is me, you know, a black person in a nice neighborhood. Um, you know, I'm educated. I have like, you know, a good job. I make okay money like you know what i mean so yeah. if me the you know because white people are always like oh just get an education and if you do this then nothing will happen to you no matter it's almost like as a black person there's nothing you can do to protect you from your skin no. there's nothing you can do because i feel like i don't care how educated i am how i feel many degrees like as I a have, person of color you, money i make this is all yeah. that they see a That's person it. of color you always have to quantify all the things that make you who you are like oh, i went to school I went to, to like but I did, you're like but i did all these things like why am i still having but i, I did you said if i pull myself up on my bootstraps and I do the right thing and you know I go to college and I get a job I did all those things what more do I have to but do it's, it's a dream that was sold that what wasn't real do, exactly I mean I think that nowadays like you know I know people that are like dirtbags and people are like look at them are like oh you know that person is so nice and I'm like you don't know anything about them which reminds me back to my roommate like I think what's been really annoying about what's been happening is like all the performative bullshit because you see so many like either companies that you know have racist policies or have yeah. no black people running in stores where you go and you know that they follow black people around but like on social media they're like putting the black square being like oh remember George Floyd like my this roommate of mine you know um, I had to like wait until about mid-May so like two three weeks ago to get my deposit back and when she gave it back to me she took off she took off $125 for a cleaning fee which is bullshit because I was there for six weeks. There's no way I would have done anything to the room that was like beyond normal wear and tear, but she's trying to get this money out for me, which I think she's trying to use to like pay for utilities, which cause like, you know that what I mean? Sense. Yes. But you know, there's a lot of back and forth. It's like, I'm not letting this go. There's a lot of things that you did when I was there that I just let go. Cause like, I don't want to like have a fight with you, yeah. but like, no, this is the last draw. I'm not letting this go. So I, I fought to get my $125 back. And at the end of it, she's like, you know what? Fine, here it is. And in the message, I can show you the 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 message. She's like, here, fine, here's your $125. Don't ever contact me again or I'll file a restraining order. I'm like, so you're going to file a restraining order because I questioned you on why you were keeping my money? That's insane. I haven't done anything violent. You're the one that's been violent. What are you going to file a restraining order for? Again, but again, using the authorities. She's saying, trying to like shut me up. She's like, well, but if I just say that- this then you're not going to keep asking questions. Yeah. You're not going to, like, you know, keep fighting it or, like, demand justice. And but like, knowing that how things are right now, she can... But then if you look at her Facebook now, she has posts about, oh, Black Lives Matter, George Floyd. You're a fucking Amy Cooper. Yeah. This is that performative bullshit that yeah. I was talking about. Do you want to like, say her you... name? Um, <laughs> Shmanessa? <laughs> no, that's not her real name. But... I'm sure people can like you know if people really want to know I'm sure they can like reach out to you and, and figure out. And who this it is. is for the people that are in the pot industry. Um, there is a responsibility because mm-hmm. there's black pot farmers up north in California that are doing the work, and sometimes are not being treated correctly. Mm-hmm. And they're black-owned businesses, mm-hmm. and they're farmers as well, and they have great systems. And I think people need to start buying from them. There is a lot of racist pot makers, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of racist people mm-hmm. in the pot industry. And they get first dibs over some other people. And exactly. I, I want you guys to know that if if you want to do the the investigation and find out who this person is or you want to DMA, I will definitely give you the name. Mm-hmm. But we have to call out these people for being racist, Absolutely. for 
using the system against us because they know that it will put fear in our hearts. Mm -hmm. So we'll let them do whatever they want to us. And that has to change. pretending to be on our side when it works. Yes. When it will get you more likes on Instagram and be like, oh, you're, you're one of the good ones. Yeah. But no. No, it doesn't. You're really not. It's, it's like if you really want to do the work, then do the work. Find do it in private when no yeah. one's looking. Yeah. That's when it really counts. Not on Instagram when you're being performative. And Be nice to people. Treat them well. Exactly. Have have discussions instead of arguments. Mm -hmm. Read the books. White Fragility is an amazing book mm -hmm. that you guys should all pick up. Uh, yeah. I think the lady's name is Robin D'Angelo. She mm -hmm. wrote a, a, an amazing book. There's also another book that I want There's you guys called, to... Um, why I'm not no longer talking to white people about race. Um, and the author is... I have to Google it. I but, head, but just to go back to white fragility, so many good resources, yeah, you guys have to read white fragility just to understand what is it about. And even the writer herself said that she had to go through her own moment mm -hmm. where she had to call herself out because you know she thinks that she knows m more than black women about what it is to teach people about racism and mm -hmm. how to be. And I think that it's it's beautiful when someone can acknowledge that they don't have all the answers and that we have to keep doing this. So do the work, mm -hmm. you know, read the books, do the stuff. Call like, out your racist call grandma. Call out racist grandma, call mm -hmm. out your racist it's uncle. It's going to be uncomfortable, but yeah. like you need to, I can't do it for you. No, and it's like cuz I'm not in your home. I'm not in these I'm not privy to these private conversations we where cannot your relatives ask really show themselves. Yeah, we can't That's ask on people. You. Yeah. And I think it's it's like get educated, find out about Tulsa, Oklahoma, find out mm -hmm. about Emmett Till. Let's start researching mm -hmm. all these things and really learning how weaponized fear can get people killed. Absolutely. And if you had to live in that fear, you know, it's like that brown eyes, blue eyes test, mm -hmm. that, they, that experiment where they started treating the people with the blue eyes badly. Yes. And then those kids were crying and they were They're losing their mind and they didn't know They're how like, to survive. How dare you? Yeah. And I think it's like <laughs> when you get in situations like this and you don't know what to do, mm -hmm. learn, learn from it and learn about it. But to start right away accusing people of things and trying to use fear like i'll call the cops on you exactly and that you know to me it's like and these are educated people they know what they're doing yeah but uh, let's use advertising as an example mm -hmm. yeah that's because i work in no black people there's like it's literally the whitest industry i'm always no black the only people. yeah black, and it's like black person black people buy stuff a shit ton of stuff we black have so much stuff. buying power we spend millions of dollars a day <clears throat> Black people, if not billions, I think maybe respond to advertising, and it's being made by people who are not black. Exactly. And then when they want to do something special, they'll bring in a black consultant. But or even not, because that's how you end higher. up with like situations like where they like end up like posting something or doing something that's like super tone deaf. Yeah. And they get called out for it. it's like this is how I know you don't have black people that work there because if you had, if I had seen what you were thinking of doing as a black person, I'm like, like you know what, that's guys. Stupid. Let's not do yeah. this. That's how I know. Like even like all these celebrities with these like black and white videos being like, I take responsibility. Da, da, da. This is how I know you don't have black friends or like that your PR agency does not have any black yeah. people because I would have been like, this is not what you need to do. Centering yourself in like Black Lives Matter and like all this, that's not the way to do it. So like it's very obvious that you guys don't know. Even like m with Nancy Pelosi and like all those guys wearing the Kente cloth. <sighs> This is how I know you guys don't have black friends it's or that like, you don't work with any black people because we would have been like, guys, this is a shitty you idea. you showed up to your black friend's house, they would have been like, take that shit off. I would have laughed at you and be like, yeah. what the fuck are you take doing? Take it off. Don't wear you that. You look stupid. You look like an asshole. You have, to, you have to look at this country for what it is. One of the things that I also recommend you guys listen to is um, White Lies. And it's about a murder that happened in Selma around the marches of oh. a uh, reverend. Is this a podcast? It's a podcast, yeah. And it's like a little series. And it's about how people... 
who knew the truth still didn't say that. So there's still bigots out there who are taking the lies with them to their grave and allowing the KKK to sort of submerge and be all over the place. And, you know, it's happening now in the police departments in some mm-hmm. in some southern states. The They've KKK now the discovered that the KKK the is in the police department. Yeah, that the same people. a lot of people that are out there doing stuff that are now part of it, they've been linked to the KKK. So all this is going to mm-hmm. come out. What the, the best thing about COVID, because it's a horrible thing that people have died and people are still sick of it. Mm-hmm. But the best thing about COVID, I think, is it's shown people's true colors. Yeah. You know, I, for myself in my life, had witnessed people act crazy and said, okay, this is not what I want in my life. Mm-hmm. But I've also seen the craziness come out of everywhere. And I yeah. think through all these protests and these movements, now we're seeing the racists just come out in the open because they feel like Trump is going to protect them. Yeah. So now we know where you're at. And that's great because now I can yeah. actively be like, I don't fuck with you. Yeah. You and yeah. I are not friends. At this point, if I unfriend you, it's very personal. Yes, you're, you, you are. You should take it 100% personally. Exactly. If I unfriend you or if like i distance myself from you at this point it's very and if you listen if you're listening right now and you think oh my god i don't like what they're saying cool Mm -hmm. don't listen yeah exactly yeah these are the kind of shit that i think that we all need to talk about we need to have these discussions we need to start making ownership we need to start Mm -hmm. supporting our black brothers and sisters and our trans brothers and sisters have these uncomfortable conversations have the uncomfortable it's okay it's gonna suck but you need to but we'll learn and we're gonna get through it and i think if you're afraid to talk about it if you don't see color like i say it at the end (sighs) of this do not say that if you don't see color you don't see beauty because you're ignoring the fact that we're all different and Mm -hmm. the fact that we're different is beautiful Mm -hmm. if you learn something about somebody you're going to be okay and you know there's assholes in every culture um but right now we're seeing a big influx of racist bigots who are white that are coming out and doing crazy shit and we need to protect ourselves we need to protect you if you're white we need to protect you if you're black or asian or whatever because they don't care about us if they see us together they hate all of us together Mm -hmm. and so we need to stand up and stop letting this shit happen yeah no more black people getting killed no more black men getting killed no more women waking up to getting shot mm-hmm. you know none of that shit happening like you shouldn't be choke holding anybody exactly yeah fucking putting your knee on people's necks you shouldn't be threatening somebody to call the police because you're bird watching the most nerdy shit ever i'm gonna bird watch i'm gonna go watch Leave these fucking birds alone, and i'm gonna put this i'm gonna open this book and find out what bird this is that's like the like that's like the least threatening thing what I've are you doing if you're gonna it's bother a man who's watching birds and trying to catalog them in a book. You just now said, I'm going to fuck with the one person who's not even caring right? about me to care about me. Like, he was just there for the birds. Yeah. But if you have those fears of who I am, like, that's how it feels. Mm-hmm. Exactly how you're feeling right now because you're being threatened because you said something racist. Yes, you should be called you out. You should be afraid. You should be worried. Child is going to be nervous, right? Job. We're yeah. going to dox you. We will find yeah. you. Use your cell phone. Make racists afraid again. Use your cell phone as a tool. That. Yeah. We should make one. Yeah. We're going to make one here at the show. But use your phone. If you see something going down, put it up there. Shit, everybody. Over, yeah. And get if, your phone out. And one of the best things that uh, I heard from a protester at, at the march here in Highland Park was that white people need to start getting in front mm-hmm. of the situation. Meaning getting, like, if you see a black person getting get involved, get involved, ask questions, ask questions get in the way. I, one of the best things I saw one of the marches and I think in the, in the Midwest was that they made a human shield had all the white people all the white people in the front and yeah. stuff like that because they were most likely they they used their privilege to as shield. an advantage to shield people who could be killed mm-hmm. innocently I mean you know there's a young white woman who was uh, who died from uh, an asthma attack because she was sprayed with oh, tear yeah, gas and stuff that. like that and I you know that's horrible too yeah, that's if you guys can reach out and help her and I know the parents are taking donations for her mm you know a fund that she was part of like that but she put herself out in the open and got you know and ended up dead because of that so 
we have to honor everybody, all our dead, and then everybody together, not just black, not just, you know, everybody. And I think that's why I keep saying it, but we also need to start protecting our trans children Absolutely. right now and our brothers and sisters who are trans. Absolutely. Let's do that now. So There's no Black Lives Matter without, without our LGBTQ plus black people. All right. Thanks a lot for coming and, and hanging out with me. And I, I know this was a heavy talk, but I'm glad yeah, that this is great. that I got to talk me. with you. And this is a great way to experience it. Yeah. Okay. See you guys later. Bye. Thanks for listening. Please leave a like and a comment. Follow us on Instagram at Being Brown in LA. And remember, if you don't see color, you don't see beauty.